Today we're going to talk about something that could sound like a very rare concept for, for some. And it's, called, it's around the, the topic of forgiveness as the series uh, that we've been looking into here, the 230 series. And it's about totally forgiving God. And it sounds strange, because how can you forgive a perfect God? There's nothing to forgive a perfect God. Well, we're going to look into that and, and, and to what do I mean by that. But let's have a quick word of prayer first, shall we? Lord, we thank you for this time together. We ask you, Lord, that you'll open up our hearts to receive and hear your word. Lord, I ask you that you use me and put the words in my mouth that I'm to speak to these people today, your people. Bless your word and the preaching of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's turn in our Bibles to Hebrew 11. Let's start there. Faith in action. As many of you know, it's a well-known passage of Scripture. I'll read it for you. Hebrews 11, from verse 1. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope and an assurance about what we, don't know, we do not see. This is what the ancients were commanded, commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that it seems, so that it seen was not made out of what is visible. So everything that was that we see was made by faith, by something that is not visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, Abel still speak even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he not experience death. death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. And without faith, let me read that again, it is impossible to please God. Then he talks about Noah. And he talks about Abraham. In verse 8, by faith, Abraham then called to go a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. He lived in tents, he dwelt among the lands. He was going one step at a time with God, as we know. Yet, all these people, verse 13, were still living by faith when they died, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Furthermore, if you read verse 39, these are all commended for their, their faith, yet none of them received what they had been promised since God has something better for them. But none of them, none of them received. Here, the heroes of the faith. 
did not receive what they were promised. And in this culture that we live in, so many times an emphasis is put in Christianity about getting from God. And it's a go to church to get this and get the other and get this and get the other and get this and get the other. But very little is talk about of the sacrifice of faith, of us giving back something to God, of us showing him how much we care and love him. If we, if we go to Habakkuk 2, verse 3 and 4, it says that for the revelation, Habakkuk 2, 3 and 4, for the revelation awaits, awaits an appointed time it speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. This is the story of Prophet Habakkuk. And um, he's asking God, God, what's happening with my promise? What's happening with the things that you told me were going to happen and are not happening? And God is answering, will you wait? One thing we need to understand as we look into this topic, and that thing is that God is perfect. He is just, he is merciful and graceful. But he is a just God. He will not lie and he will not fail to deliver his promise. The problem is that many times we put him or try to put him into our context and to understand everything that he wants to do through our minds. And how many times that we try to do that, we're deceiving ourselves thinking, oh, God doesn't like me, God is not with me. But how many understand that if God could fit in our minds and, and, and we could understand everything about him right now, then probably we'll be a too small God for ourselves. Who wants a God that we can't figure out very quickly? So you may ask me, what, what about those questions about evil? Why does God allow evil? Why does God allow these things to happen? Why does God doesn't bring forth the promise that he has for me? Why did he create humankind new, knowing that we were going to suffer? What is the point? Is he playing games with us? Is he just teasing us? When I was 18, year old, 18 years old, I was just minding my own business with my family uh, at home. We have some guests. My mom was in bed. It was like late morning. And she had some drink called mate that we have in Argentina. And my dad was around. I think it must have been either holidays or a Saturday morning. And um, suddenly a whole commotion broke into the house. And I didn't know what was going on, but I ran towards where the commotion was happening. It was in my mom's bedroom. And as I showed up there, my dad said to me, very, very scared, I called an ambulance, go and pray for your mother because she is very bad. 
just like that, out of the blue. So I went, ran, locked myself at the far end of the house in the bathroom and prayed for her like I've never prayed before. And I felt God say, don't worry, she's going to be healed of whatever. It will be all right. My mind had a, a problem in the brain where it's a little vein that bursts and basically it's an aneurysm it's called. You may know what it is, but basically you go immediately into coma. Most people die immediately. So she was taken to she was stabilized and taken to hospital. And different pastors, friends of us, came to pray for her. And everybody was getting the same thing when they pray. She's going to be okay. Don't worry, she's going to be healed. Well, my mom went to be with the Lord soon after the last person said that. So did I get it wrong? Did everybody get it wrong? Get got it wrong that day? We're just like wishful thinking. What happened when those things that we are praying for for a long time, for a salvation of a loved one, for a healing, for ourselves or for someone? What happened when God seemed? Not only just to be ignoring that request, but almost teasing you, making you feel or think that everything will be okay, that that person will be well. Why? Why, God? Why does this have to happen? As I said before, Abraham didn't get some of what God promised to him. In fact, in Acts 7, it says that he never even had a foot to, feed, to put his feet on. Nothing of the land that God promised him he will have, Canaan. Moses, when he was promised that he was going to take the people of God out of Egypt, he thought, I'll walk in and be a hero. It was a lot harder than that, a lot harder. And what is more, he didn't get to the promised land himself. He saw it from afar. He didn't went in the promised land. Maybe right now, I don't know, you are going through one of the worst times in your life. Maybe you are this close to giving up on your faith. Maybe you're thinking, is this worth? God, are you just playing with me? But we have to remember, he is pure, he is just, he is without fault. In Habakkuk, later on, after God told him that his promise was delayed, his answer was delayed, Habakkuk 3 says, Though the fig tree does not bud, 3.17, and there are no grapes on the vine, Though the olive's crop fail, and the fields produce no food, though there, were, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. What happened to this guy from verse 2, crying out for God for an answer that was being delayed? And now that he suddenly turned and realized, you know what, God? 
It doesn't matter if the fig tree does not bear its fruits, if the olive tree doesn't give me what I need from it. It doesn't matter, God, if all of your promises to my eyes seem unfulfilled and that they are not going to happen. I will praise you, God, because I know who you are. You are a good God that wants the best for your children. So it got me really thinking and uh, really struggling with some of these things because what he was basically saying was, God, I'm letting you off the hook. You know the promise you made me? Well, it doesn't matter, God. It won't matter to the point that I will leave you because you don't, I don't see them fulfilled like I want it. It's like Alakuk was saying, God, I forgive you for not giving me these things now. I forgive you, Lord. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. I know you are loving. I know you are good. And although I can't see this, I can't see why, why this had to happen, God. I forgive you. I let you, I let you God, off the hook. And maybe tonight, uh, this afternoon, as you hear me talking, there are some things that are coming into your heart. Things that um, you have been through, things that have, have happened to you, or things that have not happened to you that you wish they had. Are you willing to break the betrayal barrier? Because you see what happened is that when somebody promises anything and they don't come through, we feel betrayed by them. And that raises a barrier inside of us. And it's, you'll be astonished to, to, to realize how many believers, how many of us go through this. But the reason why Hebrews 11 was written was because there were people that were willing to break that betrayal barrier and say, God, no matter what I see with my eyes, no matter what I'm going through, I'm going to keep believing in you. Keep believing that you are just, that you are good, and you have a greater plan that I can think or imagine. Hebrews 11.39 says, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. None of them. We know that the language of heaven is faith. Faith is how we show God how much we love him. It's not just to get something out of someone. Faith and, and envisioning things. See them even though they are not as though they were. It's the language of our, of our God. That's how he created everything that we see around us. That is partnering with his likeness in our hearts, in our lives. 
This is a message for believers, of course. This is a message about persistent faith, of faith that doesn't let go. Doesn't let go, not even in the midst of unfulfilled, seemingly unfulfilled promises. There's also another kind of faith. And it's the faith that we have put down first, the faith in Christ. The faith that we know. We know that we know that Jesus died for us in the cross, that he paid for our sins so that we can have a better life, so that we can enjoy closeness to the Father. And this afternoon, right now, I want to do a parenthesis on what I'm speaking. And uh, those of you who are believers and know what I'm talking about, continue to ponder on these things because we're going to take it to the next level. But I want to pray now for you. If you are in this place and you don't know Christ, you don't know what it is to be close to him, you don't know what it is to have the promises that he made to so many of his children in your lives, to be able to see them, and to be able to walk with him in your daily life, as real as the person right next to you. I want to pray for you, and I want us all to join in that prayer for a few moments. Lord, we come to you today. Please join me. Repeat after me. Lord, we come to you today, and we know that we are sinners. But we choose to put our faith in you. We choose to trust that you've died for us on the cross. We say yes to you, Jesus. We're going to get to know you. Holy Spirit, come into our hearts right now. And reveal the work of the Son into our hearts. In Jesus' name. The Bible says that today is the day for salvation. And if you pray that prayer for the first time, I will ask you to publicly acknowledge it by lifting your hands. And I want to pray for you. And somebody after the service will come and give you a present and also pray for you again. So if you pray that prayer of accepting Jesus into your heart for the first time, please lift up your hands. Anybody in this place for the first time praying that prayer? Amen. Okay, we continue with the message. Thank you, Jesus. So what, what will happen? What will you do if your loved one never comes to Christ? What's going to happen if you never get the house you dreamt of? What's going to happen with your faith? What's going to happen if the husband, the wife that you've been praying all your life, even your parents have been praying for them, will never come your way and you'll never be married? What's going to happen? Are you going to be able to forgive God? 
Are you going to be able to break the betrayal barrier and join the Hebrews 11 champions of the faith? This is not an easy thing I'm asking you for. When Gabriel asked me to preach this topic, I said, thank you. But you see, when we are babies, we get fed. When we are adults, we need to go out there and get our own food. People of God, it's time to grow. It's time to break the barrier that is holding so many of the blessings that he wants to pour in your life. It's time to let God off the hook. It's time to break the betrayal barrier that we have not knowingly or unknowingly raised in our heart that is stopping his blessing, that is stopping us from moving from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Hebrews 39, as I just read, said that none of them got what they have been promised. But then 40 says, since God had planned something better for them, for us, so that, not, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. God has something better. Don't ask me, I don't know, how an 18 boy, you can tell him, take his mom away and tell him, God has something better for you. And I know that's not the most terrible thing that can happen to someone. People die all the time. Why, God? Why? I don't know why. But I know I serve a good God. I know that I know that I know that He is good. And His mercies are new every morning. And that He renews my spirit and makes me rise on wings like eagles. When I'm in the pit, He picks me up. I don't know the answers, people of God. But I tell you, we can join them. In Hebrews 11, we have advantages they didn't have. We have the Holy Spirit walking right by our side, revealing us the Father all the time. Philippians 3:12 says, Know that I have already obtained all these. Or I have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me. Heaven war in Jesus Christ. So you can ask me, okay, Esteban, so what do I do? How do I forgive God? I mean, you told me some things. I'm going to tell you five quick things, and I'm going to refer you to this message. Very, it's, 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 this is from a, from a book that Dr. Arctic Kendall wrote, as you, as you know. And, um, and I'm going to refer you to the message back in, KT, in the KT site. 
These are the five quick things that you could start doing. Be honest and tell him your complaint. If you don't believe you can do this, go to the Psalms and read the first part of David's life. He was claiming, asking God, where are you, God? Where are your promises? Okay? One, be honest and tell him your complaint. Second, very important, make a list of all the things that you're grateful for. Count your blessing. Name them one by one, says his word. Says his word. Make a list. Look at what he has done. Sometimes we spend so long looking at what he's not doing that we don't realize the vast blessings that are around us. So we focus on that one thing that he hasn't done, the one that we want him to do. He has not done it. And we still hold him to it. Two things you'll have to fight. Point number three, self-pity and entitlement. Number four, choose to believe. Always, in any given circumstance, choose to believe. Number five, be willing to wait. Something that is not very common in our society. I mean, I don't want to wait. I want to go to McDonald's and get my Big Mac meal straight away. I don't want to wait for anything. And it's, a, it's, a, it's a syndrome of the culture that we live in. Be willing to wait. Because those who waited on him, God had something better planned for them. Amen? I want all to rise and I want to pray for you guys. Please close your eyes and maybe the Holy Spirit will bring to your heart one, two things, I don't know. Something that has happened recently, something that has happened a long time ago. Something that you may didn't even you maybe you didn't even realize that you were putting up a betrayal barrier in front of God and not letting him through and not letting yourself have faith for everything else he wanted you to have faith. Holy Spirit, come. Speak to us. since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written I believe therefore I spoke we also believe and therefore speak knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you
ambition that day when we get to heaven and Jesus will tell us, well done. Well done, you didn't give up. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. You chose to believe in me. Despite of what the world was saying, despite of what your culture was saying, in spite of me not seemingly answering your prayers or fulfilling my promises, your faith spoke louder. Well done. Well done. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now for an impartation of faith upon your people. Yes, Lord. Put yourself out in this place. Let those barriers come down. Lord, we let you off the hook for those things that we don't understand. We look forward in faith. Because we know that with you the best is yet to come, oh Lord. Yes, Lord, we surrender our wishes. Lord, we surrender any spirit of entitlement that says, this is what you promised, yet I should have it, and have it now. Oh, Lord, everything you give us is so precious, and you've given us so much. We thank you, Lord, for you. your word says, that you've given us already, God, your most precious thing. You've given us your son, Jesus, to die for us. How will you not give us everything else, O oh Lord? How will you not, when you've given us the most expensive, the most precious Let, let this word, Holy Spirit, work in our hearts, even throughout this week. Let us come to terms and move on and move forward in faith as we get to know you and your goodness more and more. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.